Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of A Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success, or you're already smashing it, but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS, and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. Mark, how are we doing, mate? All right. I'm not too bad, thanks. How are you? Good, man. Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Um, it's a pleasure to have Mark Cowan on our podcast <laughs> today. Uh, I met Mark recently. I was introduced by Colin Nuttage, actually, I think, mm-hmm. um, from uh, the Influential Management Group. He's got his po- own podcast as well, Interesting Health and Safety podcast. Uh, Mark, just for the sake of the listeners, are you able to just give yourself a bit of an introduction and and, and sort of who you are? Because you you, you you, on, online I see a lot of posting around mixers and that kind of thing but what's what's sort of your background and why, why is it so important to you around road safety and that kind of thing mate because I can tell you're really passionate about it yeah yeah um well I've got um I do I wear two hats one uh own um or I'm part owner of a, a company called Mintrain um which is a, a, a an industry training provider um, and then the other hat I wear is the um, British Aggregates Association, where I'm Director of Transport, uh, Logistics and Concrete. Um, one of the big, as you say, you know, passions is 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 around mixes as well, and it's more around the the, the safety of it. You know, the 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 lack of training that we we've, we've obviously missed out over the years um, within the industry, and just you know, the, we have a big problem not just in this country but worldwide with mixer rollovers and it's something that the industry hasn't really um, approached or addressed or even tackled, you know, and still to this point, you know, we, we, we started doing mixer rollover uh, awareness workshops around the country um, and it features in there, you know, that the mixer rollovers have been happening since ready mix became an established industry back in the way back in the sixties, you know, um, and still to this day, you know, we, we aren't tackling the issue. And it needs to be tackled, especially with the new, with the influx of new drivers um, and everybody being so busy as well. So it's a little bit of my background. Yeah, OK, mate. And um, how, many, how many mixers are there in the UK? Do you know? Mm. You got sort of a, an idea of that. Question. Question. I mean, um, I was talking to uh, um, the sales director from McPhee, Lindsay. And he, he, he reckons there's about just on, on the figures that they've got around about 3,000, but we, we reckon there's more than that. Probably not on the well, between three and five thousand, I would say closer to the five thousand, but you know, so it's not okay. a huge area, but it's very niche. Um, but it does come with a lot of problems. Yeah, the reason the reason I asked that actually is because I was trying to, I was actually trying to approximate the other day, I was chatting to Derek. <laughs> I was chatting to Derek, who's a trainer that Mark All right. in touch with, yeah. just for the benefits of the listeners. Mark and I have been passionately talking about introducing a new training scheme that we've been talking about. And we'll come on to it a bit later, but I was chatting to Derek, who's a potential trainer for it. And um, we were just, we did a bit of a number crunch on how many, you know, how big we thought the market was. And I said, I bet there's about, I, I actually said it, it isn't on record, so no one will ever be able to say otherwise. But I said, I bet there's about 3,000 mixes in the UK. And he said, do you reckon? And I said, 
Yeah, but you never know. It might be like 5,000, and then you've just banged both their numbers out. So I hope Derek's listening. Exactly right. Considering <laughs> I don't know the first thing, I don't know the first <laughs> thing about mixers anyway. Um, but no, it's uh, it's all good, mate. So we're going to talk about sort of six key areas today, and I've listed them down here so that we can just sort of explore those with you. But the first one's about getting safety right, and one of the reasons that I think we've connected over the past little while, and we're collaborating on both the uh, mixer awareness training and the and and the and the tipper awareness training as well, tipper sure as well. And then we're looking at the BAA too. We're both passionate about making sure road safety is right. What what is it that has sort of made you so passionate about it? And 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 what you know what what's involved in making sure that operators are getting their safety right as well? Well, I think it all it, it all started from you know been in the industry a long time and you know always driven mixers. Um, and it, 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 I remember way back, well, quite a while ago, I was, I was sitting on a CPC course uh, with my brother, um, who, who runs a, a fleet of mixers up in the northeast. And we sat there, and after about ten minutes, we were bored. And it was, you know, it was just, it was about um, load security, but not anything that was um, applicable to us. It was about cargo straps and pallets, and you know, so I we were say you put a ratchet strap on a mixer. Yeah. I mean, you know. We, <laughs> We just looked at each other. You know, we had another six hours and fifty minutes of this to, to go through. Um, so I come out with there and I, I said, you know, I'm I'm going to write a, um, a CBC course. I never had any experience of it before, and just so what I did was I took the training that we we give to to our drivers through through my brother's company. Anyway, uh, my brother's called Tony through through his company, and we we, we put that together as a as a as a, a driver CBC course. Um, wasn't very well received at first because the industry had what they called back then was the Epic card, um, which is now the, don't that many names, Site Safety Awareness, um, which covers tippers, mixers and, and tankers, but it wasn't specific to, you know, it was more of a generic health and safety course. So what, you know, I, I wanted to just fill a gap that that needed filling in, in my eyes, and especially with the amount of, as I said, mixer-related incidents that's been over the years. So, you know, that was the reason why we wanted to, or I wanted to create it anyway. So. That's funny. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I sat on the CPC course and realised it was absolute shit, and that was one of the reasons that I wrote my first CPC course. All right, right. I sat on the CPC course, yeah, and I sat there thinking... They're talking about driver professionalism, and then they're talking about like <clears throat> compliance, compliance, and all <clears throat> the things like you know all the sticks that we beat drivers yeah. with. And I was like, hang on, you, you're telling on the drivers on the one hand they've got to be professional, and then on the other hand you're treating them like children. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I, the first course I ever wrote was around like driver professionalism and and sort of like grown up behaviors and understanding who like how we operate in the world and what's the expectations and you know all that sort of stuff and we still do that course now and actually interestingly um logistics uk have like got a similar course called your customers um which uh is alleged to be quite revolutionary, but yeah, I claim I claim the fame, and I think I was probably one of the first to have written a course like that. So I think for um, me, yeah. you know, dri- drivers don't want to do want to be sitting on a CPC course anyway. You know, it's hard enough to sit in a, in a seven hour course that you're not interested in. So one of the things I wanted to do was to make it interesting, you know, and make it relevant to what we did on a on a daily basis. There was there was nothing out there that that did that. You know, there still isn't today, which I still find a little bit strange. People have, 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 you know, said they're gonna they're gonna replicate it. Good luck to them and let them crack on. And what I say, you know, but you know, for me, it's not about, 
you, you know, people who say you make a fortune on CBC, you don't make any money whatsoever. You know, it's a long-term investment, and I'll probably be 83 by the time I ever see any return on it. You know, um, but it's not for me. It was just about getting that that information out there, and again, making it relevant and a little bit more enjoyable than the shit we're having to sit through on a on a on a um, a yearly basis. That's yeah. So. Okay, cool. So actually, the second area it moves on quite nicely. We were talking about sort of being passionate about safety. The next one we're talking about getting the right training. So I think we're probably both on the same page that there's there's quite a raft of shit training out there <laughs> in the industry, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll second that. Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, what sort of what sort of training do you do at Min Train? What 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 sort of stuff's that, and and how do you make sure that it's relevant? I mean, what you know the the. What we do is this, we have different areas and we've got this, there's four of us and we all specialize in, in different areas. So my, my area that, I, you know, I don't want to call myself a specialist, but the area that I look after is, is around the transport side, predominantly mixers, you know, tippers. Uh, the, one of the big focuses throughout, throughout the aquarium industry, you know, or the, the minerals extractive, um, industry is um, competence, you know, but there's never ever been a, um, a way to measure competence, especially for drivers. There is for machines, you know, plant machinery. There is in the in the quarries, you know, the quarry regulations is very strict on on competence, and it's it's um, mentioned throughout. But when it comes to the ready mix side of it, you know, we would tend to get left alone. Um, so you know, the the thing that we wanted to do, I wanted to do again moving back on from training was to develop the training which was then used for to get the information to the drivers but to then create a, um, a competence assessment which we did back in oh last year january last year so it's a year and a half old now um so that was one of the big things we we created we've got it um uh, accredited by an awarding body it's accredited by clocks We've got another accreditation process just going through at the minute, which hopefully Touchwood will be um, uh, announcing in the next few weeks. You know, which will then make it the 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 only type. Well, it is at the minute. The, it's the only the only type of uh, competence assessment there is out there for drivers at the minute. You know, we don't just look at the the driver um, the driving uh, aspect of it. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a full assessment from the driver picking the keys up. To doing his, his mixer specific or tipper specific pre-use check, the loading, um, how the drive with the load on, especially a mixer, uh, site discharge, washing out, product knowledge. It's a, you know it's a very very in-depth um, uh, competence assessment, which was why you know the the we spent a lot of money getting it accredited by the awarding body and obviously clocks as well. So you know and hopefully that this this next one will, will obviously just take it up the next level as well. Yeah, definitely. I think um, having having a competence assessment is really, really vital. And interestingly, we we work quite well with a few of our clients <laughs> because they're, they're, there's always like the two elements to any driving role, isn't there? There's there's sort of the competence around actually being able to move and operate safely yeah. the HGV yeah. itself, which is relatively generic and and as a business we've got driver assessors who are able to do that um you know and they get in the cab with the driver and they can do a, a, a daily check around the vehicle but sometimes about the body specific knowledge actually yeah. there's a little bit of specialism there as well that's that's required um but from a generic point of view you know we can do all of that and we can go out on the road and we can have an assessment on 
braking and you know uh, fork forward planning and uh, you know steady acceleration and use of cruise control and mirrors and you know maneuvers and all that sort of stuff. However, it's it's really interesting to actually go. Do you know what actually? in this industry we've got all these different types of operation and you need to have someone that knows the product they carry and they need to understand how it behaves in certain situations how to drive with it etc and that's the sort of thing sort of thing you're focusing on isn't it well i mean it's it, it, it you've hit the nail on the head people but i mean the, if you look at every every other type of machinery that's used in our industry it's all got to come with a, a competence card so you know the it's always been stipulated that if you've got a heavy goods license you know you can just jump in a mixer you know the, the next day as long as you've got a license and 32 ton mixer you know with a with a drum spinning um with seven and a half eight meters of of, of uh concrete on you know changes the dynamics of the, the the vehicle straight away so you know it's totally different i mean one of the um I was talking to somebody who was doing an investigation on a rollover and you know the the one of the things that didn't strike them as, as strangers that the driver only had three hours of training you know and that was from you know who trained them and that's that's the way we are as an industry i'm not saying every company's like that but you know predominantly we don't we've never had any industry standard recognized training we've never had any industry standard um competence assessment so there was a there was there was a gap in the market not just to, to fill it but to, to to want to be able to do the right thing so coming back to the min train side of it you know we 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 offer a competence assessment in in um, plant machine. You know, we're, we're working with the um, AMPI awards, the awarding body, to um, to look at different accreditation routes of of different um, um, other types of assessments, other different training modules. So you know, we don't just focus on on the transport side of it. We've got we have Roy Bush, who is um, was the health and safety. Quarry's health and safety inspector for, you know, 24 years. So Roy really knows his onions. You know, um, Mike Phillips, who, you know, it was the, uh, ran the Institute of Quarry for 10 years. You know, Mike knows a, a hell of a lot and knows the industry inside out. And, you know, so together we've got a, a really, a really strong skill set. And then we brought David uh, Lucky on board. Who David's background is in uh, volumetric mixes as well, but David's, um, uh, a marketing expert as well, so he, he sort of he, he wears a lot of hats, David. Like he's, he's he is quite good. Um, I hope you can cut that bit out, like when he's listening. So, but you know, <laughs> yeah, we'll make sure we'll make sure we just cut that. <laughs> <laughs> but we're trying to build a, a team that was full of industry experts. I mean, one of the things that we have just done is um, geotechnical. So we went up and got a, a real geotechnical expert to write our course. We'll not deliver it because it's not our speciality. So we'll get the, the geotechnical expert to do it. You know, so it was to to make sure that what we offered was the best it could possibly be. And that's what we're, we're trying to build at Mintrium. Yeah, spot on, spot on. Okay, so that sort of leads me on. I'm actually going to skip a question to then come back. So I'm going to talk to you about, I'd, I'd said we we're going to talk about the BAA, but we'll come back to the BAA in a bit. Yeah. What are what are the common mistakes that you see of mixer operators? Obviously, I, I, I guess it, uh, a key one is, is the keys driver and off you go. Um, and not having a thorough, thorough sort of investigation. Is there, is there sort of, um, is there anything else really that, that's sort of a key thing? Because mixer rollovers, the statistics are fairly phenomenal, aren't they? Quite big, uh, quite big. And, you know, people don't don't realise how how often they occur. I mean, if you just, I mean, I know you followed us on LinkedIn and stuff like that, but, you know, we, we went to the country show two weeks ago and, you know, the, the figures then were, were around about six rollovers in the UK in the past 10 weeks to get into the country show. And then when we got there, there was, you know, I found out there was another three 
uh, four. So there was 10 within 10 weeks, you know, and it's a lot of it is down to inexperience, you know, still on. Are they, are they always avoidable, Mark? Are they always avoidable, if that makes sense? Uh, as, as in, are they always down to human error? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it depends on what the, you know, a mix will not roll over without a, without a driver in it. You know, it'll not blow over. Yeah. In it. So, you know, the the I remember the Institute of um, Road Transport Engineers did a, um, a study or, or an update of a rollover guidance document. I think last year or, or 2020, and they used some of the um, the industry major national companies. Um, you know, and they identified, and they, I think it's mentioned around about nine or ten times that you know industry specific dedicated specialist training is required to, re to, to stop rollovers you know and to this day we're still not doing it what we have done is we, we we've always relied on a on a, a one you know a one course fits all and it's it's just a health and safety course you know it doesn't it doesn't do what it should be doing which is again you know back to why we created that one um but one of the biggest factors in rollovers is 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 speeding you know three biggest factors are speeding inexperience and then complacency but there's a lot more to it which is you know when we, when we start putting the everything together for the the mixer rollover workshops you then got to look at um, you know um uh tridums you know a lot of tridums are, are now starting to turn over different axle configurations a drum speed is a huge issue i mean only yesterday traveling back from derby you know there was a, 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 a mixer on the on the motorway on the on the M1. You know, and his drum was probably going faster than the than, than the truck was itself. You know, which is is wrong. But we've always been told as an industry, or, or when we, we, you know the, uh, historically that we always had to have the drum turning and have it turning very fast. You know, and we don't. You know, the mixer manufacturers themselves recommend two revolutions a minute at the highest. But we still are, you know, wanting drivers to, to to reach four or five revolutions a minute, you know. So there's 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 a lot of things we can do to stop rollovers, but you know, we just for one reason or another, we just don't want to do it, and I don't know why. You've got a lot of the average cost of a rollovers around about two hundred grand as well, and then there's no there's no mixes available. You know, you're looking at the the back end of next year or 2024 before you can get a new one. So if you lose one, you know. So, you know, the costs for me just don't add up, but, you know, what do I know? <laughs> sounds, sounds absolutely balmy. And I think I think the thing is around having sort of generic health and safety training, you know, Jesus, I've got a level six diploma in health and safety. Like I've stud properly studied health and safety. I wouldn't know the first thing about concrete or its behaviour or how many revolutions a minute the, you know, the, it should be turning up. No idea at all, because that, that's specialist knowledge that you need to be trained specifically for. You know. I mean, one of the other things yeah, I think we'll, we'll feel as an industry as well is, you know, we, we have people making decisions that have never done the job. You know, yeah. these are just, you know, my thoughts on it. But, you know, there's 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 a, a, a lot of people within the industry who've never done it, you know, have never, some of them don't even have a heavy goods license. And they're the ones making these safety critical decisions of what drivers, what they think should be doing, you know, and that doesn't work. You know, it's been proven over the years. I always mention 2016, I think it was 2016. Semex had a, um, a, a tipper rollover campaign, which um, really good, and it brought out some uh, some a lot of good guidance. But it was it was built on the I think the industry had suffered or Semex had suffered 50 rollovers within a, within a three year period, but they all happened on site. Now 80% of or 85% of mixer rollovers happen 
loaded on the way at the side, so they happen on the road. So it adds a road safety um, issue, which again, you know, we, we aren't really tackling. We're just sort of, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to say pushing it under the carpet, but we, you know, we, we have a knee-jerk reaction to a rollover. There'll be a, a toolbox talk, go out, a safety alert, and then we'll just forget about it. Some companies are, are better than others, you know. Um, some will just, you know, not do anything. And at it, 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 it times, you know, we I think at the minute we're just waiting for a, another fatality. We've already had a couple, you know. The, the, there's another one just happened in, uh, in the States last week or the week before. Um, and I think, you know, we're just waiting for another one to see what, you know, what's going to happen. The thing that thought, uh, well, that I thought what might have kicked this on was the, the you know, the likes of the big projects going on now, the likes of HS2 and, you know, where they want to leave legacies on health and safety and stuff like that. And we're talking to HS2, you know, we're talking to a, a, a lot of uh, companies as well, but it's actually getting them to, to, to make that change as well, which, you know, smoke and mirrors, I always say, is what the industry's been built on, or, or the mixer side of things has been built on. So hopefully tide's turning, like, so, you know, we'll just have a wait and see. I think it's probably not just the the mixer industry that's smoking mirrors. I think there's a lot of that around um, around, around the thing. The old um, I, I, it always makes me chuckle the old adage of blame, shame, retrain. Uh, you know, someone does something wrong, blame them, shame them, tell everyone that they've done something wrong, and then make sure you retrain everybody as punishment for it. I mean, you asked, uh, is it is it are they all avoidable? You know, you know, if it, is it down to driver error? Well. If the driver hasn't been trained on, on what to do, he's never going to understand what he should be doing. You know, the, the, our industry is built on inherited knowledge. You know, it's been passed down from generation to generation. You know, 30, 30 odd years. And I've never had it. You know, I've never been trained in driving a mixer. I've been trained in concrete. Yet, if the concrete, if there's a problem with the concrete when I get the site, it's my fault. You know, I, 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 just something I don't understand. And it's just something that's been accepted over the years. So, uh, you know. Hopefully, we're trying to make a difference and, and, and get away from that culture. But as I say, it's easier said than done. Definitely. And I think um, let's move on to sort of talking about the smoke and mirrors actually a little bit, because that, that that made it interesting as well, talking about that with certainly project the big projects around and, and their commitment to safety. Because there's always been like... Um, different standards in the industry around fours and, and things like that as well. And I was yeah. having a conversation the other day and I sort of bring bring fours up because I know you're a big advocate for the DVSA and recognition scheme. And I just wanted to sort of touch on that because I've had Phil Breen on the podcast as well. Oh, yeah. And he was, was absolutely brilliant. And um, one of the things is, is well, with, with fours, I think the principle was sort of really, really good. But what it, what it led to, and it's similar to what we're talking about with the smoke and mirrors type thing, is it, 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 it kind of brings in this like lazy safety management, which is the, the people in the management roles, potentially without the driving licenses, without the real understanding, are going, oh, actually, if these operators have got this badge, at least that, that mitigates our risk because they've met this standard. Um, and I think one of the challenges is actually the standard can be, it's probably not not what it was, but certainly the DVSA have kind of gone, no, we're not having that. You know, mm. they've kind of created their own standard, haven't they, which I think is uh, sort of quite exciting. What's, uh, what's your thoughts around the different types of standards and stuff with regards to operators and fours and earned recognition and that kind of thing? I mean, you know, there's the, well, there's another one there now, is I think um, uh, Mission Zero, there's, there's another one. Yeah. So, you know, we, as I said earlier, our, our uh, competence assessment is, is, is accredited by clocks, and you know, which was another industry first. Um, but the, the standards, 
that are out there now, you know, I don't think, I think we relied on fours in the, in the early days when it, when it first came out, you know, my brother was the, one of the first to get the fours accreditation for Tarmac on behalf of Tarmac in the, in the Northeast, you know, we put a lot of work into it and, and especially uh, me. And that's where, you know, the, the train element sort of followed on from that. And I think looking back then there was, you know, it was just, Everything that we had in place anyway, it was just then formalised, you know, in, in, the, in some sort of order within what the drivers had um, uh, access to in the cabs. So I think, you know, the, the force side of it, for me, um, it, it just, it sort of, it hasn't developed where it needed to go. You know, there was a, there was a great opportunity there. I think people have just took it as, you know, force is, is, is the standard for everyone. You know, I always say it's a little bit strange because... You've got to have um, uh, the the set risk assessments, not just the set ones, but you know, and it doesn't matter what you do. Companies are then, you know, there's fours um, uh, companies that provide fours accreditation or help you to to gain the fours accreditation. But they, you know, the the offering to get you through within 30 days and stuff like that. And it's just generic risk assessments. I mean, I even had one company, you know. He was doing some work for a, a company in London, and he, and he he emailed us to ask if uh, I could get him some uh, mixer specific uh, risk assessments because the ones that they were using were shit. Well, you know, I, I didn't even know what the, the 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 role was, or you know, what the the problems were, or what the risks were. So how can we make give them a generic risk assessment around mixers? You know, and I'm not a big, I'm not really hung up on risk assessments and policies because I think we just use them as a tick box exercise. You know, the one I always like to mention is we've got one throughout the industry and it tells you that every concrete mixer has to wash off. You know, make sure that your, your, your vehicle's prepared to re-enter the, the public highway so there's no loose concrete comes off the back of the chute and, you know, the potential to cause an accident. But in the same breath, they're giving those risk assessments out, but then banning drivers from site because they'll, they'll not stick to the no washout policy. You know, there's double standards. Again, back to smoke and mirrors. Hi, it's Pete from Flagship Partners. We're really proud to sponsor a Half Dozen Things podcast. At Flagship Partners, we take road safety really seriously and we're your road safety partnership. We help transport companies with compliance and training across their businesses, including first aid, driver CPC and other transport management services. So if you're fours accredited or you want to improve your operator compliance risk score, give Flagship Partners a call today. Outwardly, we like to portray that you know the industry's you know the, the the top of the um top of the pile for safety. But inwardly, a lot of it you know we, we do get wrong. I'll probably get slated for saying this, but you know past all of that, you know, a bit long in the tooth now. Hopefully, I'll be retiring <laughs> soon anyway. So <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, no, we like a bit of being outspoken, mate. What, what's your thoughts on the earned recognition scheme? It looks like it looks to be a good scheme, doesn't it? I think uh, we're, we're we're going for the uh, approval, and I know we work both work quite closely with Lisa Lisa at Logico now, yeah. and she's yeah. doing she's doing quite a bit of the end recognition stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think what I like about that is it's a bit like you're saying about the competence assessment. So what's built into that standard is that you've you've actually got to demonstrate the standard, you've got to prove it. There's got to be evidence. There's yeah. evidence yeah. based around it, and I think that. When we, when we start to introduce this level of really proving competence and proving uh, proving what we say we're doing, I think I think a lot of the time the problem is around we pay shit lip service, don't we? And then mm-hmm. we're not. It's not really. It's just what you're talking about there about washing out and not washing out. It's yeah. we pay stuff lip service and then don't follow yeah. it through. 
Um, but the earned recognition seems a good scheme, doesn't it? I think it's well, it's it, it sets the bar, doesn't it? It's the highest standard. It's DVSA that that you know make the 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 the, the rules for the, the transport industry and the ones that govern the rules. So I think if we can if we can you know get to that standard, I'm not saying we have to apply for earned recognition straight away, but for me, companies should be saying right, you know, we're going to reach the standard. I honestly think within three to five years, earned recognition, everybody will have to go for it. I don't think there'll be there'll be a choice. So I think if we start working towards it now, you know, there's a um, there's a possibility that once it does come in as a, as a mandatory requirement, um, you know, we, we'll be ready for it. And, and especially in our industry, as I say, we've, we've relied on heavily on fours to set the standard, but then the standard, you know, has started to slip. And I think companies are, are starting to realise that. Um, you know, I don't want to be a, put a nail in the, the, the coffin of fours, but I think, you know, the, there's other schemes coming along that realise that, you know, there, there is a, similar to what we did, there's a gap in the market there. So potentially they could step in and, 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 and offer a, a different solution. But I think if anybody is serious about what they're doing, you know, earned recognition isn't really hard to achieve if you've got everything in place to start with. I think the, the thing that I like about it as well is, you know, the training that uh, drivers have to do as well or, uh, and, and any uh, management staff has to be aligned to, the, to the, the transport operations they're in. So everything we've done and created all aligns with DVSA earned recognition. You know, we, we are through the BEA, which I'll come on to later, is, um, you know, doing a little bit of work through that as well and seeing how we can, we, we can make the industry better. So... You know, it's, it's, it is a, a good scheme. Whether companies will buy into it straight away, I don't know, because they get a little bit frightened from thinking, you know, oh, oh we're going to let the DVSE in and they'll be able to say everything we're doing. And if we're not doing it right, it'll open up a whole can of worms. And it's not about that because it's not the DVSE that are ordering you. You know, so yeah. it's the likes of uh, Lisa from Logico, who, to be honest, is probably worse than DVSE. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't disagree with that actually. I reckon I reckon I reckon Lisa's pretty scary to be fair. Or could be if she wants to be anyway. And and Lisa, if you're listening, I mean that in the nicest possible way. Um let's um let's talk a bit about, about the BAA because that's sort of what sort of ties and when people are listening, that's what ties sort of you, me, me and Lisa, Lisa in really. So um tell tell me a bit about the B, BAA and, and sort of what it does and and also <laughs> You know, we'll start to talk about the transport committee as well. Tell, tell me a bit more about it. Well, the 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 BE is the British Aggregates Association, uh, trade a trade association for the um, the aggregates industry. Um, started uh, many years ago. Um, it's it, I think over the last few years it started to, to to dwindle down a little bit, and there was an opportunity there, and I was invited to get involved through through Mike Phillips. Um, uh, and you know we, we we had a look at you know what we could do and what we'd introduce to, to maybe sort of reinvigorate it and you know bring it back to where it should be. Predominantly as an industry, we've always been governed by one um, trade association, which is the the MPA, the Mineral Products Association. Um, so you know we, we we didn't want to go. Out. It wasn't a rival because we we cannot compete with them. You know we don't have the the, the resources. We're a very very small team. But what we do have is a, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of passion. You know, we, we give a lot of time up, um, uh, probably too much time, if I'm being honest. But, you know, it's something that we, we, we want to do and we're all really passionate about. Introducing new sides to it, which was the the um, health and safety, which Roy looks after. Um, 
Uh, we've got planning, which Peter, the secretary, looks after. But I wanted to introduce a, a, a transport sector. I've good, I've good relationships with the likes of um, uh, National Highways, with Driving for Better Business, um, DVSA, and we wanted to build on that and you know get those involved with the transport committee. Um, we wanted to start putting webinars on with uh, Lincoln House Chambers, the likes of Richard Dawson and. Um, some really well-respected barristers just to give our members a little bit more. So it was just to see what member benefits we could we could introduce. And, you know, some will work, some will not, but it's trial and error at the minute. The one thing I will say is we've been in less than a year, and I think the um, the, the progress we've made has been unbelievable. You know, we've getting some really, really good feedback. Um, you know, so we've just got to keep keep plugging away and doing what we're, what we're doing. Definitely. I think um, I, I went to the first uh, com uh, transport committee meeting, sort of had my first bit of insight uh, mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. And I think um, I think it's brilliant. You know, it's fascinating to as a, as a bit of an outsider to the industry to, to look in and sort of see uh, see what's happening. I think uh, I think it's a really good opportunity for, um, you know, as, as, a, as a committee <coughs> and as a as a. A association as a trade association to be able to get in and add value to to its members. I think uh, I think that's really really what what we're gunning for. And there's some really good, like you say, some really great partnerships with driving for better business and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and those kinds of things as well. So yeah, looking forward to that. And uh, obviously, transport committee uh, is going to be helping helping the members sort of stay. Um, stay compliant and operating at high standards as well so it's nice to have been uh, uh, accepted for vice chair for for the role as well so i'm looking forward to getting involved in that actually i haven't announced that yet so. <laughs> <laughs> the um i mean just back the, the the transport committee yeah i mean you know we, we, we had the first first meeting a few weeks back but one of the things we always wanted to do is, you know, get everything in place first before we, we, we had a transport committee, because what we would have ended up doing is just, you know, forming a transport committee and then plodding on to see what we wanted to do. So it was all about building these strategic partnerships. You know, we went through I, I went through the presentation with everyone at the transport committee, but it was about making these um, having these strategic partnerships and then looking at where we could add value, not just to to the members, but to the wider industry. And the 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 things that we've been asked, you know, has is, is been really, really good, been really positive. My my thoughts on the transport committee was always, you know, we there's better people than me out there within the transport industry. There are no, there's industry experts who, you know, walk all over me. And, you know, that's what we want to do. We want to fill the room with these industry experts and the members as well and, and bring real value. Um, so the likes of yourself, um, Lisa, we had, um, uh, who else? James Dawes, uh, you know, is part of the transport committee. You know, which are coming on the podcast soon. To be fair, oh, yeah, you, you've, you've got in before, but he's coming on the podcast too. Yeah, so yeah. Those, well, those who are listening, those who are listening early, and it's not out. James is the is the MD. I forgot what the company's called. Is it Highways? No, doors, people panels. Yeah, doors highways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they do people panels, don't they? People yeah, panels, yeah. which is yeah. the the amazing sort of sideboards and stuff. But right. fantastic, yeah. Right. I mean, what the the other the James was uh, he's done well for us at, for, in the BE as well because he's now become he's come on board as a bit of a um a special advisor um corporate social responsibility um but he also you know the people panels he's a good supporter of we launched a campaign um to get kids involved the the safe safe road safe road campaign 
which if I had a poster, I would pick it up and show you, but I don't have one at hand. Um, you know, and James got one of the, the he made some people, people panels to, to go on the side of the trucks as well. So we're looking to get, you know, the members to to get some of those fitted to the to the trucks as well and run that campaign, you know, throughout the year. And, you know, just have a little bit of recognition. There's some good prizes, get the kids involved. Some good prizes for schools, you know, um, TVS, uh, McPhee Mixes of, 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 of uh, supplying prizes. We've got um, Blue Rinse Mud Tech that, you know, they're going to supply prizes. So we've got a, a, a good in, uh, a good um, mix of, of companies wanting to get involved with us as well. So, you know, I'm really, really pleased that things are starting to take off with the, with the BEA. You know, and the Transport Committee for me, I think, will be one of the, the, the leading lights of the, of the BEA. Absolutely. I'm really excited about the projects as well. What I was going to say, actually, you, you must send me the link and we'll put it in the show notes. If you put the link in for the competition for people to be able to enter, because yeah, yeah, there's, really uh, there's some really good prizes up and uh, there's a link there. And if you click on the link, then you'll see some really, there's some really nice pictures and stuff. Was it your, one of your members of your family? It was me. Yeah, it was me. It was me great niece, Gracie. Yeah, she she designed it and and come up with a with a slogan, you know. So and this is why James he he produced the the people's panel. He also came up and and um he create he produced a, a smaller one for Gracie as well, which um they've they've got up in the well not in the it's not on the wall, but it's in the in the conservatory, which is the the playroom. So, but yeah, really really involved, and we've got more planned as well. You know, we'd like to do more, but we we don't want to run too many campaigns at, at, at once as well. So, you know, we're, we're very conscious of 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 trying to get companies to supply prizes as well. You know, kind of just keep going cap in hand. On that note, if anybody does want to supply any prizes, you know, we're quite willing to to take donations. So, <laughs> I put that in the link as well. I was going to say, yeah. If anyone's uh, if anyone's keen on doing their bit for CSR, you know, this is this is it, isn't it? You know, yeah. um, the, the good so, thing about, uh, the good thing about the the safe load campaign as well is, you know, it's predominantly in our industry, so it's tippers and mixers. Um, uh, now that the load security guidance has just been updated as well, it now brings a bit more relevance to it as well. So, you know, if they want to get involved, it's free. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give you the link to the BE Active website. It doesn't cost anything to, to join and get on board and support. So, all good stuff. Yeah, definitely, definitely, fantastic, mate. Um, okay, bro. So we're sort of starting to sort of move towards a close. One of the big questions I had for you, because I know you're a big advocate for improving improving the industry and, and doing what you can to help support it. If you had like, if I give you a magic wand and you could wave it and make a big change in the industry, what what is it that you'd make? What's the big change that you'd make if you could make it? Good question that, mate. How long have I got? <laughs> and it's only one thing as well. Oh, one thing, one thing. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll put um, you on the spot a little bit. So have a little bit of a think. Tell me a bit more. First of all, tell me a bit more then about the Tip Ashore and Mix Ashore courses, which is what our, our collaboration is that we're going to be sort of running through and we can start to introduce people to that and have a bit of a think in the background about what your, uh, about what your main thing's going to be for changing in the yeah, industry. Right. So well, tell me a bit about those. Well, Mix Assure and Tip Assure, we, we, our, our training's branded, you know, under Assure, not the deodorant, just sure, you know, we, we want to make sure that people have the right training, so that's why we'll come up with, I didn't come up with it, like, it was um, somebody, somebody else had come up with it, but, you know, I'll take credit for it. So it was to make sure it's that every, it's good. It's good. So everybody, it was to make sure, sure that everybody had the, the, the right information, had the right training. Um, 
So the, the mix issuer obviously is for mixers. We've got the tip issuer, which is um, for tippers. What, what people don't realize as well is, you know, we've never had any accredited, fully accredited training for specific sectors of what we do. So we, you know, we've got tip issuer, mix issuer, uh, safety issuer, quarry issuer. You know, we've got um, the, for the quarrying industry. Um, we've got the uh, sure brand for volumetrics. You know, we're doing a lot with uh, skip loaders at the minute for before utility vehicles. It's just everything that the industry hasn't really done. You know, so we wanted to come out and cover that. Now, it's in uh, quite a few different formats. One of the big things is we're trying to build a, um, a program, so a mixer sure program, for instance. We'll have a, a range, uh, a blended learning um, uh, uh, structure. So it'll be um, a bit of e-learning, um, some C the CPC course, which is run uh, by yourselves and um, Logicore. Um, and then it finishes off with the with a competence assessment. So you know it's a full twelve month program, and it's what you know instead of just being a a, a seven hour CPC course where it's gone and done. You know we we want to continue it a bit like the CPD program. You know, but specific to our industry. You know, and uh, I used to do the I used to deliver the CPC courses. You know, one I I just don't have the time anymore, and two it's you know. I'm getting a bit long in the tooth for that as well. So, you know, and it's it's a hard day for me. You know, I, I did it for quite a few years and I was working all week and then I jumped in the car on a Friday night and I travelled down to, uh, you know, Cornwall to deliver a course on a Saturday morning and then I'd have to travel back as well, ready for, you know, and then you had all the paperwork to do and then you're back to work Monday morning as well. So, you know, it was a right ball here. But, and I, but on the flip side of that, I'm not a huge fan of the webinar CPCs, but, you know, they're here to stay. Um, I think e-learning is going to play a, a big part in in CPC in in years to come. But the the webinar bit for me a really really hard dear a really hard dear and it's just something I wouldn't want to do. You know you cannot beat classroom based training, especially when it's specific to one group of drivers. You know you haven't got questions coming from different sectors. You know from from supermarkets and and, and general haulage and stuff like that. If you got a room full of you know, hairy ass mixer drivers and they all do the same job and they've all had the same problem and, you know, they've all got stuck on site or they've all spilt something or they've left the, the, the taps open. It makes for an easier day and it makes for a good experience. And that's what, you know, that's what we're, it's all about. Nobody likes having a laugh better than me, you know, and I, I'm there to have a laugh as well. I've got to make it enjoyable. It's a long day to, to stand there and be bored, you know, be bored shitless. So make it enjoyable, you know, have, have a bit of interaction and get everybody involved. You know, it's, it's, it does what it's, you know, it does what it's meant to do the best it can. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. So I've, I've actually been pretty fortunate. Uh, don't, don't tell the team. I hope they're not listening, but uh, <laughs> uh, we, we, we do do, we do do the online course. Mm -hmm. uh, we do do the online CPC. Um, but actually, we're seeing a real preference to move it to move it back to the classroom, and we've been doing a lot in the classroom as well, which is far more popular. <laughs> and uh, I've I've managed I've managed to swerve delivering via Zoom on uh, on driver CPC. <laughs> I can I could not imagine anything worse. So when it's been my turn, I've put my hand up to deliver some training. I try and do as little as possible because I often need a Saturday to catch up with everything else with the business. You know, we've got a team of people and I'll often need Saturday just with a bit of peace and quiet because I still do customer delivery work. I still do meetings. I still do site visits. I still do other types of training. 
So Saturday, I'm often just catching up anyway. Uh, so it's not ideal, but I do like to make sure I do my fair share so the guys don't feel like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sort of uh, swerving yeah. it. Not too yeah. much anyway, but I'll only, I'll only be doing it if it's in person. I'll only do I mean, it if it's in person. You've got to have the crack. You've got to have the crack. So you've got to do it. I mean, there's a lot of companies now will only do, you know, are, are just going down the route of just, you know, wanting to deliver webinar. You know, for me, that's just because they, they can make more money on it. You know, one of the things I, I hear is, you know, and I'm sure everybody else does, but is, is being ripped off, you know, having your pants pulled down. We shouldn't be paying, you know, absolute fortunes for CPC courses. You know, if it's if it's relevant information and it's it's safety related, you know, should it not be included in what we do? Any other type of health and safety training has to be done within working hours, doesn't it? You know, as drivers, we have to do it on a, a Saturday or a Sunday, you know, just so we don't miss any time off work. So for me, you know, there's there's a lot of things that do need to be changed, but one of them is, you know, the, the cost of it as well. You know, cost is a is a big issue. I'm not saying under undervalue what you what you what you bring into it, but don't go to the the other extreme of of, of charging an absolute fortune. Um, you know, which does you know ultimately you know get on drivers' nerves. It pisses them off, and you know it makes it turns them off before they've even sat on the course. I mean, you know, you look at some courses, two two hundred pound. You know, and any value out of it, I wouldn't say so. But you know, again, just my opinion. My opinion. That would make things a lot better. And I've thought about the answer to your question. I thought you might have done. What's the answer then? Go for it. What's the big right, thing? Ask us saying? again. Ask us again. Okay. If, if I, I gave you a magic wand and you could wave a magic wand and you could change one big thing in the industry, what would it be? To make um, the industry recognize mixers and mixer drivers as a specialist um, role. Because I think we've been undervalued for as long as I've been in it, really, really undervalued, especially, you know, I sometimes get accused of being, you know, too close to um, hauliers and owner drivers, which predominantly you know, over the last, well, 30, 40, 50 years has, has made up the industry, you know, the, um, uh, the, the, the owner driver model, whether that was one man, one truck, or whether it was, you know, uh, one man with, with four or five trucks, you know, and I think we've gone back to, at this moment in time, you know, just with everything that's going on, you know, we've got, we're in the middle of a cost of living crisis and stuff like that. But, you know, we've then, the, the money's not there, you know, the money's not there to, to pay, you know, a really good experienced mixer driver, you know, who's, let's be honest, if you can get one, they're worth the weight in gold. You know, you you know, you can you can rely on them. They look after the truck. They can look after the product. They, you know, they, they, they know the ins and outs. They can deal with customers really, really well, you know. And I think... We've moved away from that, and there's a lot of people leaving the industry, which is quite quite scary. You know, if any of them want to come and work for us, delivering <laughs> training and, and, and assessments, you know, uh, put a link on for that as well. But you know, there's a lot of really really good good drivers out there. You know, the 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 crack's really good in the plant. It's a really really good job. Sometimes shit in the winter. You know, whether it's being stuck outside when it's cold and wet. But um, you know, it's a really really good job, and it's a I wouldn't say it's an easy job, but it's just as the job's just as hard as, as you want to make it. But I think if, if you give the driver all the tools to make them understand what should be done and, you know, the, the best way to do it, you know, we can make drivers more safer and more efficient, you know, and it and, and makes the, the, the job more enjoyable. So, you know, that's what I would change. I hope that answered your question. All right. I think um, me reflecting on that. 
there's not many there's not many driver roles in the in the industry or any industry that really to get that specialist but i think the special types guys the the heavy haulage guys tend to get that they've kind of got that peak in their bonnet because it's the sexy part of the business in it when yeah. they're carrying around plant yeah. and machinery and that kind of thing it's kind of the sexy part of the business and i think they get they probably get to walk the swagger but i think uh, like you say i think mixers mixes is up there mate it's very complex and it's very complex and it's uh, it's not just about the vehicle of course it's not and, and the industry themselves you know refer to mixes as a specialist bit of equipment you know it's not as though Portland are demountable but you, you know you, you can't really if there's no work on you can't go elsewhere and pick any other work up you can't take any other type of product so you know it and it's a, it's a specialist role you know and yeah, yeah. You're all in, aren't you? You're all in. You're all in on the one thing. That's it. Of course it is. Of course it is. So, you know, if that's, if that's, if we get that recognised, you know, that's my legacy done and, you know, I'll be quite happy and we'll leave it at that. It might, it might, get, uh, it might get rid of us as well, which will make some people in the industry really, really happy as well. <laughs> Brilliant, mate. Brilliant. Well, on, on that note, mate, on that note, I think, uh, I think we're just about there. So, um, if people listening want to find out a bit more about Mintrain, uh, Mix Assure, Tip Assure, if people are listening and they want to get in touch with you, Mark, where's the best place? Is it to find Mark Cowan on LinkedIn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's social media. Um, you know, with Mintrain's, you know, on every social media platform, we've got a website, which is uh, www.min-train.com. Um, you know, there's a lot of information on there. Uh, all through yourselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, get in touch with me. And, you know, I can always put you in touch with Mark if you're part of the industry and you're interested in getting involved with the BAA. I think it's a fantastic opportunity. I think there's lots of good work going to be happening. And I'm excited to take the VC role with that moving forward, too. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening. And, yeah, do get in touch and share it with people and make sure we reach as many people as possible. Thanks for taking part today, Mark. Really appreciate it, mate. Lovely. Thanks for having us. Enjoyed it. It's great looking in the mirror as well, Pete. I really hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too. Please do share it across your social media channels. We hope to reach more and help more people. If you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmer. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners. And we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.